Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. Over the last couple of years, the first wave of price transparency laws under the No Surprises Act and the hospital price transparency rules have gone into effect. While at first glance, these regulations might present operational challenges for key players in our health system, they also present opportunities for differentiation. Today, Mindy and I are joined by special guests, Sara Brahman and Keith Sutter, to discuss what these laws really mean for payers, providers, and ultimately consumers. Before we really dive into things, Sarab, could you give us a brief overview of what these new transparency laws are and how we got to this current moment when it comes to overhauling price and cost transparency? Essentially, this has been a decade plus long struggle to really make data and healthcare delivery costs more transparent to consumers. Um, and you can really trace it back to the ACA and in addition to that, some of the executive orders that came through with President Trump towards the end of his presidential term. And then lately, there's been a lot more attention to surprise bills. And, and it, it probably makes sense to just pause and just define what we're saying when we're referencing surprise bills. Those are those medical bills that arise when insured consumers receive care from out-of-network providers that they didn't choose. And that often results in high and confusing bills. So there's two main pieces of legislation. So first is the No Surprises Act which is part of the Consolidated Appropriations Act. And that, that first act really protects insured individuals from receiving surprise medical bills when they receive services from out-of-network providers at in-network facilities. And really the key here is it's intended to take the consumer out of the process of contending with these surprise bills and put that onus more on the health plans and providers to deal directly with one another. And, and that went into effect earlier this year. The other part of that is the hospital price transparency rule, which essentially directs hospitals to post their actual prices, including those discounted cash and contracted rates that have not really been out in the public purview before. And it enables, or the intention, right, is to enable patients to be able to shop for the best quality care at the lowest possible price. That went into effect in early 2021. And we'll talk a little bit about what the results have been so far, which have been somewhat mixed. Really, the providers have been on the hook so far for much of the work. And coming up this year, the onus shifted a little bit more towards the health plans, with health plans starting in July of 2022 being required to post machine-readable files for their in-network and out-of-network allowed amounts. And then by the beginning of 2023, um, health plans will be, needed, will be required to have uh, internet-based tools to assist consumers with searching for um, just a first set of about 500 or so of the most common health services. And that'll evolve as we kind of move forward into 2024 with the full set of covered items, services, and negotiated rates being postable and, and searchable from health plans and, and available to, to talk through the rates across providers. And I think what we need to keep in mind is that price transparency is primarily aimed to help consumers who are using these services understand the true out-of-pocket costs they may incur when receiving healthcare services so they can compare prices and make really informed care decisions. How can we enable them to evaluate care options and make cost-conscious decisions? And one trend in the industry that's really driving cost consciousness among consumers is the increasing rise of high deductible health plans. 
those have been increasing steadily over the past couple of years. 31% of covered workers are in a high deductible health plan as of 2020, and that number continues to rise. So those consumers really bear the first brunt of any cost that they incur straight, straight out of their pockets. So that cost awareness is really important to them. And these rules are designed to reduce and eliminate, hopefully, those potential surprises on those out-of-pocket costs. Also helping to potentially put pressure on services with huge price disparities, right? Where providers may offer a similar service at a very different price, even within the same geography. So that consumers can not only make decisions on price, but also around quality. And that's going to be an important element of shopping when it comes to healthcare delivery. One early mover here is Aetna's member price payment estimator, which provides comparative cost estimates for over 550 of those common services Sar mentioned earlier. It really looks at the total out-of-pocket cost for the service bundles, so they're not surprised by, say, separate charges for a colonoscopy at the facility or even professional fees. I think as we're talking about price transparency and these, these rules themselves, you know, Sarb, you were talking about how long this has been in the making. And if we think about the Affordable Care Act, I think the other part that we forget the Affordable Care Act was really meant to be was the patient protection and Affordable Care Act. So I think many of these efforts around transparency really fall into line with that patient protection piece of it and trying to set up an environment, right, for for patients or consumers to really be more engaged and aware of what things cost. But I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, and I know I've been accused of this before in other trending health podcasts. I think just pragmatically, it's important to understand that we are starting with a very small subset of services. So it may take some time, not necessarily to get them into the public domain, but it's really how do you start to educate the system and members so that they understand where do you find these shoppable services? How do you utilize them to the best of your ability to really understand what that price differentiation could mean for you? And I think as we've seen with hospitals that have posted prices, there are many gates that you may have to get through on their website in order to actually find this information. So net-net of all of this, when it comes to executing on this, I think the critical success factor, if we're going to make these pieces of legislation and these rules really effective, it's going to have to be easy. It's going to have to be convenient. And that is what consumers are going to need because it's the only way they're really going to use these prices in a way that I think is intended, which is to get them more engaged in their own health. Absolutely agree, Mindy. And I think that's a good tee up to, to talking through some of the challenges that we'll face in kind of implementing the legislation. But it is all under the assumption that we want to keep this as simple as possible, easy and transparent to the consumers. However, it has been a challenge to begin with, both from the provider lens and from the payer lens. So starting with provider, I think Mindy kind of hinted at it earlier in the conversation, but the, the requirements went in place in 2021. And I think a lot of us have seen the number around as, as recent as February, I think only 14% of provider systems were deemed as being compliant. And if you think about it, this gets broken down into two main areas, two main issues that are kind of driving that non-compliance. One is the data requirements that are required. A lot of major provider groups have argued that it's just too much too quickly, and there needs to be better 
tie back to how that will lead to improved patient outcomes. And we'll talk quality here as we kind of keep going through the conversation and coming back to it. But then in addition to that, the data and the burdens of the management and reporting, there really hasn't been a clear view into how providers will be reimbursed for the administrative costs that will go into posting these machine-readable files and putting the investment in to, to, to support some of the uh, reporting requirements. So data is one side of it. The other side of it is also the general pricing issues. And this, this idea that hospitals are, are struggling with is many services just aren't as simple as receiving an MRI. And there's worries that consumers will have a false sense of the true prices. And that rather than capturing the full picture, like the goal is to have a full episode kind of viewed and have a sense of what the, to the true cost is. So, so really, one of the primary issues associated with this will be We'll be figuring out what's that balance of how accurate the pricing can be, how much transparency to various pricing will be available across contracted health systems, and how that will be easily available to the consumer. There's another piece of this, though, that also speaks to why there might be such a low level of compliance, and that is that we have a competitive environment. Hospitals are competing for, for patients. And by showcasing what your pricing is, how much are you putting yourself at risk, right? That maybe you're not the low-cost provider. And the disconnect between quality and price, because that may not be in the same place on a website, could actually end up hurting hospitals if they are in a highly competitive environment, such as Philadelphia or a major metropolis. So I do think there's another element that feeds into why compliance rates are so low, and that is a strategic piece around what does that mean, right, when you have to worry about competitive threats? And that's why on the payer side, you've seen most insurance groups have been generally more receptive of the changes because they view that competitiveness between the health systems should eventually drive down costs. And that's really the intent of the legislation. But that said, you know, the pace that we've been moving at, the, the that those general market ramifications that you just referenced, Mindy, and the lack of correlation between the posted prices and the true out of pocket costs, those will be real challenges that I think payers need to figure out as, as it's this, their turn now as we're leading up to 7-1. As we're talking through this, I mean, it just continues to remind all of us on how complex our system has become. The fact that we're talking about price transparency, the fact that we're talking about how complex it is to actually unwrap pricing, I mean, it's just... It's mind-boggling, honestly, and we work in the industry. You see why it is so hard for consumers to navigate the system and for us to bring down prices because we have created such a complexity between market drivers and, and having a private and public system with so many contracted rates. It's just layer upon layer upon layer of complexities. And not to add another layer of complexity, Mindy, but it's not just about price. You also have the component of quality that you have to bring into bear. The lowest price is not always the best value. And I think that's what patients, and, and to some extent, some insurance companies, as well as providers, wanna make sure that consumers have the full picture of making sure you're getting the best price with quality services. And all services are not created equal. So I think part of this price transparency is how do we show consumers the value, that combination of a fair price, a good price, with quality treatment that's going to help make them better and healthier. The complexity of healthcare has somehow 
overshadowed this simple thing that we take for granted in other industries around price and quality and not having that transparent information. It, it does lead to the, the inability for many of us to really shop and compare against those services. So, so that's a lot of the backdrop of what both payers and providers are facing right now from the challenges for implementation. We talked about payers in a vacuum. We talked about providers in a vacuum. The intersection around payers and providers and contracting and the impact that this might make against some of the really good strides we've had in value-based contracting. Mindy, I'd love your thoughts as to how this may come together. Value-based arrangements could be a good place to start because I think across the continuum of them and bundled payments in general, they're contained, right? And so you know to a certain degree what the major elements of a bundled payment are. So that could be a place around joint replacement therapy or some some other type of procedure where that could be highlighted, right? Or or transparent to consumers. So I think this is a good first start. We we are definitely making strides. I mean, listen, for the first what six years after the Affordable Care Act was passed, nothing was being done. We did see plans, right, over a period of time, start to put some scores out there around different types of providers and where the consumers might be able to find some value. But I do think that the intention here around these two pieces of legislation are really to initiate this process and get the momentum started. And it could be those those organizations that are much more comfortable with value-based arrangements and know what their costs are, they know what their pricing looks like, that's a starting point for them. Yeah, Mindy, I think that's a great point. And I get to be the voice of optimism here on uh, on this discussion. And I, I love that because I do think that there's a tremendous opportunity here that is represented. And I think you're right. Health plans and providers that understand value-based care, pricing, and the cost to deliver quality outcomes for patients are likely ahead. And organizations or health plans like Medicare Advantage, where patient satisfaction is actually part of the reimbursement model, and how do you do that without that surprise billing component? Those are the kinds of organizations, that's the kind of learning that's going to be need to applied here to really take advantage, not just comply with these rules and these regulations begrudgingly, but embrace them and use it as an opportunity to differentiate yourself in the market. Because as pricing transparency and value and um, quality become easier for consumers to discern, it becomes more of a consumer marketplace. And I know we've talked about that in, in healthcare getting there, but I do feel like this will help us make strides. Yeah, and I just add, Keith, that the one thing we haven't talked about in all of this is when it comes to execution, right? Health plans and providers tend to have long-term contracts in place too. So some payers, some plans may have I don't want to say first mover advantage, but if their contracts are being renewed at an earlier point in this process, they may have more of an advantage being able to share prices that are competitive when some of these other providers are locked into long-term contracts. So I I think we're going to see kind of like fits and starts in all of this, but I love that you're being optimistic, Keith, because I'm optimistic too. I think there's just a, there's a reality to this as well that there are some deadlines in place, right, around when things need to be available to consumers. I don't think it's going to be perfect, but I do think it's going to be out there. And that's the first thing that we need to get moving, right, is getting consumers activated and educating them so they can start moving forward. So nothing's ever perfect in healthcare, but I, I love this as a first start. So I'm going to join your optimistic attitude about this. 
So building on that optimism, when we think about payers too, these are organizations that are sitting on tremendous amounts of data and have the ability to really be patient-friendly and to deliver those cost estimator tools that are going to go a long way of improving relationships with their members and avoiding those surprises. Nobody likes getting an explanation of benefits in the mail and opening it up and being shocked by the number that they see. You know, one great example is from Change Healthcare, right? Who's partnering with payers to proactively alert members via text, email, an opportunity to save money on routine care and prescription drugs. Now, those are planned expenses. Those you know, emergency room and ED visits, those are always going to be, you know, uh, challenges that insurers and providers are going to have to figure out a better way to manage those in-network versus out-of-network costs. So lastly, I think there is opportunity also for payers to either take a build or buy approach here, right? They can either build the technology to utilize that data that they have, or they can partner uh, and buy uh, services from more tech-savvy startups, right? They're data-fluent and can really assist in extracting those true insights to make sure that they're integrating cost and quality. I know this is team optimism time, but just a little bit of a, a reality check. that It is exciting, the different startups that we've seen that have been able to help with some of the analytics. But even we've heard these conversations with some of our clients. It's just one more service, one more vendor that they have to evaluate. And a lot of these payer organizations are already being inundated by various vendors that are help, helping them with care management opportunities and algorithms to identify at-risk populations. This is just one more vendor that they're going to have to look to to work with, partner with, evaluate. So so it's helpful, but at the same time, there's these other sides to it that we always have to keep in mind. Sorry, back to team opposition. Absolutely, sorry. But again, it's not a matter of if or when. The legislation is the legislation. One one twenty three is coming whether plans want it or not. So again, I think it's a matter of either you find the right vendor or the partner, or you build those, those capabilities internally, if that's not right, the right choice for you. One of the things that we've been talking about, right, is this so much about consumers. And we touched on it a little bit, but think about how this starts to help pave the way, right, towards some of those, those efforts that have been done to date to really drive things like patient satisfaction and measure patient satisfaction. And how much surprise bills actually hurt that patient experience. So if you're, you're a patient, I mean, we saw it, right? Kaiser Health News ran a year-long campaign on bill of the month where anybody that received a surprise bill could submit it, and then they would hold providers' feet to the fire. So I think about how these transparency laws could actually help in really addressing, right, that aspect of patient satisfaction and how patient satisfaction does translate into reimbursement. And we haven't connected on that yet, but that's tremendously important when you think about it both from a provider lens and from a health plan lens. I think whether it's the avoidance of those embarrassments, right, those PR gaps with providers or plans with those surprise bills, or it's the opportunity to tie member satisfaction to the bottom line. In the Medicare space, patient satisfaction is a key driver of star ratings. Star ratings are a key driver of the revenue that those Medicare Advantage plans receive from CMS. So by making sure you're delivering quality, making sure you're delivering you know, a satisfied patient, you're able to tie that directly to the bottom line. There is an ROI for patient satisfaction, and this legislation gives many in the healthcare industry a chance to really 
lean in and realize that ROI. Thanks, Mindy, Keith, and Sarab for your perspective. I am so excited about these transparency laws as a consumer and as a member and advisor to the healthcare industry. Really curious to see how these efforts drive some opportunities for payers and providers when it comes to differentiation, patient satisfaction, and the ultimate drive towards value-based care. Ultimately, we know it's going to take everyone working together in order to empower consumers and enable them to achieve a higher level of health. For our listeners who are interested in diving deeper, please check out our recent insight from Dynamic called Transparency and Coverage is Here. There's some great visuals and details about how all of these changes will come to bear across the industry. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in the episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health podcast, and to explore if Dynamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit trendinghealth.com. Tune into the next episode where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.